Hey everybody, this is Basil, and you're listening to Canary Cry Radio. And this is Gons. Welcome back to another episode. The first one in 2018. What have we been doing, Basil, for the last several days? Well, I was circumnavigating the globe for uh, a few weeks there, the globe, and now huh? I'm... You, you're yeah. sure that it's a globe? Oh, you got me. <laughs> you got me. Good. <laughs> You know, it's funny. We have a lot of people because we make a lot of jokes. We have a lot of people asking us what we actually think about that. I think we've made it pretty clear throughout the years, uh, our thoughts on uh, the flat earth theory. And uh, they kind of sum up to, we're not really sure. Yeah. And well, we, un- we understand that a lot of people are, are really want us to take a firm stance on this and uh, we're just not going to do it. Yeah. So there you go. Well, one thing's for sure. I'll keep you warm and safe in my people's zoo. Ah, thank you, artificially intelligent uh, robot enslavement master. <laughs> it's a Philip K. Thank Dick robot that. telling us uh, yeah. that we're in a people's zoo. So anyway. Th- thank you, Philip K. Dick. Um, anyways, guys, we've got a great interview for you uh, this week. But, uh, but first, we want to mention we got uh, reviews and ratings to leave on iTunes and Stitcher and things like that. Thank you so much for those of you who have been doing that. It's really helped out the situation. And if you haven't done it yet, Go over and do it and read them. There's some really funny ones, actually. I don't have them right up in front of me. And uh, reading them, you know, is is, is a minor infraction as far as my uh, uh, internet security beliefs go. But that's okay. You should go read them. They're pretty funny. All right. Um, yeah. uh, oh, Gons, <laughs> I just made you an administrator All right. on the new Canary Cry radio community group. How do you feel? I'm really thankful and grateful to be made an admin in in the group that I am one of the hosts for the podcast of. Yes, you're welcome. I thought you you had great honor. You had the skills and the instincts to accurately represent the brand to have administrative yeah. control. Um, but if you guys have not gone over to the brand new Canary Cry Radio community group on Facebook, you got to do it. It's popping off. We're not adding people willy-nilly. You have to go ask to be a part of it. We want to keep it kind of like a nice little community of active members. So just go do that. Uh, you can either search Canary Cry Community or go to facebook.com slash Canary Cry Community. Okay, go do that. It's fun. We've got contests going on. We've got discussions. You can meet other Canarians over there. It's a real good time. It's happening now. You're missing out. Um, Gons, how's that red bubble doing? Clothing. <laughs> yeah, very good. Gons, there is clothing over there. We got t-shirts, there's stickers, there's stuff like that. Uh, we're putting together some new designs. We are hoping to get up a bunch of new designs a couple weeks ago, but, uh, you know, th- things happen. But uh, keep checking back, redbubble.com slash canarycryradio. Uh, go check it out. There's laptop cases and bedding. There, You can get a, a, a you can get a giant king-size duvet with our logo on it. I, I'm just waiting for somebody to send that picture in. That'll be uh, probably the peak of my excitement as far as this merchandise goes. But you guys were asking for it, so we put it together for you. Go over there, uh, redbubble.com slash canarycryradio. Uh, Canarycry News Talk is popping off every week, as well as extended reports. You can go to the Patreon to learn more about that. Uh, Gans, what are you working on? Uh, let's see. Working on Age of Deceit three. It's uh, continued progress here. Got a couple interviews in the can, and definitely coming together to share some of my crazy wild theories that uh, will probably label me a heretic. 
Okay, well, that's always very exciting. We are we're always looking for new reasons to call you a heretic, Gons. Um, but uh, I, this intro plug wouldn't be complete if I didn't plug my other podcast, The Joy Spiracy Theory. Uh, now that I'm back in town, we're going to have some more uh, interviews. Just really experiencing what it's like to live the life of somebody in this sort of fringy community and uh, what we can do to 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 live it well. So go do that. The Joy Spiracy Theory available on iTunes and YouTube and all sorts of stuff like that. All right, Gons. Well, oh, I think we should explain to people how difficult it has become to to record things now due to your uh, new human resource. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think folks understand the the stay-at-home dad situation that I'm in that uh, is all it's a great blessing. I am not complaining whatsoever. Uh, but yes, it does take time away from podcasting and making videos and stuff. So I have to be very strategic, uh, and it doesn't always work out, uh, because recorders stop like it did now. It's pretty awesome. Cool. Good thing I'm still recording. I would argue, Gonz, that it's made it more exciting. We've got a lot more. We've got a third voice in many of the, the uh, podcasts. You'll actually we have hear a third chair. You'll, yeah, you'll hear baby chime in a couple times in this interview, I think. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just made it more exciting. <laughs> it's more family friendly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's time to get into this interview. Gons, this intro has uh, gone on long enough. Get ready to enjoy Alana Freeland. She's uh, Gons. Do you have anything to say before we get into this? I mean, is uh, it's she's got an interesting point of view. She's got some really fascinating information regarding a lot. You know, some stuff we've uh, talked uh, talked about before, but I. I I was actually very fascinated. Yeah, great researcher, a wonderful resource in terms of all the the stuff that's happening from above our heads to in our DNA, literally. Um, We don't agree with every little detail that she brings up in terms of some of the methodologies and stuff, but... You know, our uh, our goal here is not to debate uh, certain things on this show, as you know, Basil. Is we've gone through uh, many disagreements in terms of uh, people that have been on the show, but that's okay. You know, that our, our goal is to have the conversation and to you know give people a platform to share their research. And so, uh, we're not going to you know spend a whole bunch of time debunking. Uh, things that people say well, here. But. Not even that I think we we have a whole bunch of stuff to debunk, but it's certainly a, uh, a, a an opportunity to spark some research on your own and go check out yes. some of the researches, researchings yes. that she has done and uh, check it out. Be a good Berean. Okay, here we go. Alana Freeland. Woohoo! You put, say, 20,000 tons of sulfuric acid uh-huh. into the stratosphere every year, uh-huh. and each year you have to put a little more, mm-hmm. and this doesn't, in the long run, mean that you can forget about cutting emissions. We will need to rein in. No, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah. But it does. In the meantime, we're shrouding the earth with sulfuric acid. So people are terrified about talking about this because uh-huh. they're scared that it will prevent us cutting emissions. Right, and also that it's sulfuric acid. It is. They're bearing the lead. Is there any possible way this could come back to bite us. Blanketing the earth in sulfuric acid because I'm all for it. This is the all chocolate dinner. I still get to have my CO2 and I just need to 
spray sulfuric acid all over the earth. Right question. But we put 50 million tons of sulfuric acid in the air now as pollution, and it kills a million people a year worldwide. Okay, and that's good or bad? It's terrible. But it'll be better if we put more in. We're talking about 1% of that, a tiny fraction of that. So we should reduce that sulfuric acid. So if it kills a million people and we're only doing that 1% more, we're just killing 10,000 more people. You can do math. Okay. But that's, so, so, killing people is not the objective here. <laughs> killing people, not the objective. objective I just objective wanted to be clear. I just wanted to be clear. This is Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, you're listening to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 124. Anything, Basil? Nothing? Nothing for 124? No, just one. Uh, uh, you know, I was thinking real hard, but... You yeah, know, put you on the spot. I'm too, sorry. I know. It's it's okay. I just didn't have something planned, and now I feel bad, so I'm sorry I let you down, everybody. Uh, I'll right. think of a funny joke about 124 <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Stick around till the end of the episode <laughs> yeah, to hear my great funny 124 joke. <laughs> Nice plug. Well, you know, I don't know about you, Basil, but I've often wondered when the last time I actually saw a natural cloud in the sky was, you know, like the fluffy ones that we used to see when we were kids. <laughs> yes, the ones from days gone by. Yeah. Well, according to the World Meteorological Organization, that's actually a United Nations branch, a new classification of clouds was proposed recently, the homogenitus, which if you break it down in Latin, homo means man. And genitus generated or made, so man-made or man-generated clouds. But why, after decades of seeing it in our skies, are our international organizations just now beginning to even propose the idea? What have they been up to for all these years? Well, as it turns out, these homogenitus clouds are just the tip of the iceberg to a much larger, far more nefarious scheme. And with What's being politically pushed right now into the public as a worldwide response to the wiles and dangers of climate change, the development of new infrastructure are currently being deployed and uh, developed as part of the Fourth Industrial Revolution and the UN 2030 Sustainable Development Agenda. They include things like 5G technologies, IoT or the Internet of Things, nanotechnology, blockchain or perhaps the even more secure and faster hash chain, bioengineering and synthetic biology, major advancements in science there that can you know, really affect our lifespan and everything else. And to top it off, a nanoparticle-based electromagnetic barrier in our skies to manage all of it. It all sounds way too fantastic and evil to be true, but luckily, we've been blessed with great researchers like our guest today, who is a teacher, a lecturer, a storyteller, and a writer. She's published many books, and she's perhaps best well-known for her book, Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full-Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. And she's here to discuss her new book, Under an Ionized Sky from Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown. Elena Freeland, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you very much. That was an, an incredible intro, Gons. I, was. I feel so that pre- really was. I feel so I, prepared. I, 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 oh, I really you. like to lift that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can. I'll have there it in the, the show You've notes. You new... can just you can just rip it right off right there. Oh, fantastic! A new copywriter for you there. <laughs> exactly. 
So, Alana, this sounds, I mean, oh, well, first of all, let's uh, let's give the people a little bit of background on uh, what you are researching, the books you've written, what's kind of been your focus and what your mission is. Well, I've had a quite fantastic life, I have to say, because the way I do life is I go from mission to mission, and I don't make them up. They sort of just appear to me uh, from what I call life itself, uh, capital L, capital I. I'm a great truster of life, that it brings what I need, and it has uh, not proven to uh, be such a shoddy theory uh, in my life. So I, <laughs> I was writing, I was doing research years, oh, decades ago, back in the, I'd say in the late 80s and 90s. I was researching for a series I was writing on my own uh, about America since John F. Kennedy's assassination. And uh, the mm. series subsequently came to uh, be called Sub Rosa America. Sub Rosa being a, a Latin term that was very popular in the Middle Ages. Uh, to go to a Sub Rosa place meant something hidden, something dark, something occult, uh, and eventually came to be known as even a house of prostitution, uh, which, uh, given the pedophile uh, allegations going on now, is is a pretty apt term, uh, even for now, for the Sub Rosa um, mechanization uh, that has happened since Kennedy was shot down like a dog in Dallas. Um, wow. I had had the good fortune of awakening to some degree politically when I was a teenager and had been elected by 800 girls to represent them in Washington, D.C. Girls State, I went to Girls Nation then. Uh, that was the summer Bill Clinton was there. He was in Boys Nation. I didn't know him. I didn't know that until many years later. Uh, but uh, we had tea with Kennedy in the Rose Garden the very last day of the Girls Nation. And... Um, and he was a, a, a an amazing figure. Of course, he was the president of the United States, but but um, he uh, sort of selected me from all the girls, and because because I looked a lot like his wife at that time, and uh, and I became a celebrity in my state. So when I returned. I gave talks to civic groups about my, my time with Kennedy, and I had also spent the week uh, with uh, Vice President Lyndon Johnson, uh, which is a whole other story, because he was overseeing our group. Uh, so uh, I gave that talk. Then three months later, Kennedy was dead, and I was invited back to give another talk uh, to rooms filled with sobbing Americans. So that was really wow. the beginning of my political awareness and, uh, and public speaking career. Uh, but from there, uh, when I was writing this series, just sort of lightning, coming lightning fast, just I realized I had to write it as fiction in a fiction format because I had a lot of comments to make about America. And I really wanted to reenact the 60s I knew 
because I was, uh, I came of age in the 60s. And my generation is portrayed by Newsweek, Time, New York Times, etc., mainstream media, as being sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And they leave out the most important part, which is we were highly political. And, uh, right. and so I, I wrote the book... Uh, it turned out to be actually 1,500 pages in, in four books uh, and as a journey of, uh, of some uh, 60s people from uh, Santa Barbara, California to Dallas to see where Kennedy had been shot. They were traveling in 1970, but uh, then it gets very weird. It's sort of a t science fiction kind of thing, the way it is today with the space age. Uh, this is a very science fiction come become reality time. And they encounter all sorts of dreamers, dead people, uh, various Native Americans, uh, spirits, as they travel the desert in the uh, American Southwest, which is very magical having lived in Santa Fe, I know. And so um, the, the books, I had to collect lots and lots of material to write those books. They, they have a lot of factual data in them. Uh, and uh, that was really the main point. I wanted to tell the story of the underbelly of the United States, what's happened to it. And, um, and I'm, I'm actually sorry to say that I've been right on every point. Uh, because of all the revelations <laughs> going on right now, but uh, but I hope I'm I'm wrong about the, uh, the how the book starts out, which is with a catastrophe, a an environmental catastrophe in 2019, and that came in a dream. So so that's kind of the backdrop to the Chemtrails book. In that I I was I was lived in England a few years did some editing for Adam Parfrey at Farrell House, um, came back lived in Santa Fe for almost five years, uh, and became quite close friends with uh, Clifford Carnicum and his wife Carol, and we would have breakfast. And for those who don't know who Clifford is, he's an independent scientist who uh, is probably the first whistleblower uh, who did extreme research on a shoestring budget in the late in late 90s early 2000s on the chemical trails over the skies of uh, northern new mexico and clifford and i would end up at breakfasts just talking for hours about what he was finding. I had a biology background. I was very interested. Uh, I saw my blood under his microscope and saw these Morgellons creatures, uh, which he has renamed the cross-domain bacteria. I saw them sucking the uh, erythrocyte, uh, sucking the iron out of my erythrocytes, my red blood cells, and I was I, I was sold that that he was right that these trails were chemical in nature and that what he was collecting out of his HEPA filters on his trailer uh, was uh, fibers and that when he would, would uh, analyze chemically and in every way possible what was inside the fiber, uh, he was finding this strange genetically engineered creature that now many people uh, suffer um, skin lesions from. And, uh, and, and then the whole drama 
went from there. By the time I got back to the Pacific Northwest, where I had previously lived before moving to Europe, I uh, was asked by Parfrey if I, I thought I could write um, a book on chemtrails. Well, I had a file on chemtrails, and I had a file on HARP, the High Frequency Active Aurora Research Project up in Gakona, Alaska. In 1996, I had read Nick Begich's and Gene Manning's book, Angels Don't Play This Harp, and had had a series of um, surveillance incidents happening around me because I had been reading the book publicly. And, um, and, and that, my phone was tapped. Uh, it was what I call the paranoid 90s. And, uh, and from, I had already known that both of these things existed, chemtrails and heart, but I hadn't put them together until talking with Clifford and until I started to research for the Chemtrails Heart book that came out eventually in 2014. So that, that, uh, that journey of writing that first book, um, one thing I know, there is no place in the country, to my knowledge, that one could go to study the science, the, nat the national security science behind this technology taking place in our atmosphere. Uh, I, I would be hard pressed to find a PhD program that would teach me as much as uh, the uh, searching on the internet, researching military papers, military documents, patents, on the web, in open source, and also uh, the Facebook people that I, I was forced to go on Facebook after my book came out and I was on um, <laughs> uh, Coast to Coast and I got hundreds of responses. Uh, but on Facebook, I encountered amazing people, uh, some of them actual scientists who had sort of given up on mainstream science and were off on their own, and others just very uh, smart people regular people uh, who were digging deep into why they were having respiratory problems, why uh, they were having these skin lesions, why they couldn't breathe the air well, and what was going on in the skies. And so I just in a collage manner began to put together that story uh, and going and rereading the books that had come out before about chemtrails, of which there were about four or five. So I, um, I, I was able to get that book published. I think to date it's sold about 7,000 copies. And, uh, and then I immediately started writing the, the next book, the one that's coming out this month, uh, Under an Ionized Sky, From Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown. Um, I immediately started that after meeting a very important person named Billy Hayes. And Billy is known as the Harp Man because he was working for, his entire life he worked for a three-letter agency that will remain nameless and its defense contractors. He became a tower erector, and he's worked on uh, over almost 300 microwave installations for that three-letter agency. And uh, he was able to, uh, he was, he headed up the team that built HARP. So um, I began to learn from Billy 
uh, on long Skype conversations uh, exactly how the next phase was coming in very quietly, and that would be the space fence. And um, the space fence is actually the old, uh, I don't know if you remember during the Reagan years, the Strategic Defense Initiative, the SDI Initiative, uh, given the name Star Wars. Uh, And that is, it it seemed to have been tabled and then it sort of disappeared after it was renamed under President Clinton as the Ballistic Missile Defense System. And then what it did is it went black. And, uh, and and they were then working, by then they had Bernard Eastland's patent for HARP. Uh, they were running, uh, they built HARP, then they were running experiments on HARP for uh, probably 15, 20 years. And, uh, and then um, they shut it down in 2013. Uh, and then they, uh, it has been reopened now as part of a massive system of uh, ionospheric heaters. That's what HARP was initially. It's a phased array ionospheric heater. It zaps the ionosphere, uh, which is extremely important to our safety and security, and uh, bubbles it out uh, in order to uh, stimulate uh, electrons popping off of atoms and being ionized. And then they they shoot that out over the horizon uh, and uh, bring it down into our atmosphere to ionize our atmosphere, thus the title of the second book. And what that means is our atmosphere is by the military, not climate change, not global warming, not any of the other terms. Now they're talking about the return of an ice age. Nothing, uh, nothing matters that they're saying until they bring the military piece into the conversation. And of course, that has not happened at any conference that has occurred, including the COP21 in uh, 2015, which is uh, what is uh, a, a, a a bone of contention now with the Trump administration that he has refused to, uh, he's, he wants to leave the, uh, the, the cop 21, uh, pact. Uh, but really, um, none of those conferences, uh, have addressed the truth that this is all about military operations and uh we are uh we are the ones suffering down here at the bottom of the well of the upper atmosphere and then into our troposphere and and yet our illnesses and our weakening of our immune systems are very profitable for the medical industry for uh, the scientists studying our records as we go to doctors, hacking away and enter emergency rooms and hospitals. Um, this, is, this is a travesty at the very least and a, uh, a, an international crime uh, at the very most. And I'm one of uh, many people who are uh, trying to sound the alarm uh, for what it is we are breathing from military uh, 
high security programs that we are simply not being informed even exist. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> Basil's brain is blown. Wow, exactly. <laughs> wow is exactly what I have to say to that. Um, man, I mean, the, the, we've, you know, the listeners of the show are no strangers to, uh, chemtrails and, and, uh, many different, uh, perspectives or theories on, uh, what the intention may be. And, and, you know, it all sort of seems to lead back to the same, you know, obviously, uh, power structure that we're all under. Um, but you were talking about the military application, um, of what they have going on. Uh, now, was that connected to chemtrails in particular? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, because, and um, I actually, it, this is a timely interview because I just finished an essay that, uh, <laughs> even as a writer, very experienced writer, I, I, I had to spend like, I think I've spent two weeks on this essay to get it right, for a European publication, a book of um, of European women who have asked me to uh, to write on geoengineering and my ideas on it, uh, and 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 in going over that essay, I've had to go over everything in my mind and sort of smooth it out each because there are so many connections, Gonza. I mean, there are so many connections. And just to give you an idea, I'd like to read for your listeners a list that began with Clifford Carnicum in his still excellent 2005 film, uh, Aerosol Crimes. Uh, and another version of it is called Cloud Cover. But he laid out, and we used to uh, talk about it, the seven operations that are going on. The one that your listeners know the best is weather engineering. And I'm I'm here to tell you it's a done deal. Every, all the weather going on is manufactured. Uh, and wow. uh, I understand how because I've studied the chemistry of it, studied the electromagnetics of it. This is, this is a, an ionizing procedure that happens and is, has an entire infrastructure on the Earth and in near-Earth orbit that will move weather systems that rise naturally in the South Pacific and then are treated in one way or another as the weather moves east. Uh, and uh, they are, this weather engineering is used politically. That's the major part. It's used for disaster capitalist profits because there, it's very profitable to have weather disasters and they seem, quote, natural or due to carbons, climate change, uh, the latest fantasy that they have cooked up uh, they've had many fantasies, by the way, since the, um, oh, I'd say since the 50s. So let me read that list just to give your listeners an idea of how, how extensive this is and why, why they're willing to spend billions, if not trillions, uh, uh, in order to keep the sky ionized. 
with all the jet trails of chemicals being laid and, and various supplementary systems added to that for uh, a variety of experiments that are open field now, open field on, uh, on populations. Uh, there is no more need to just do everything in the lab and extrapolate. You can just put it up there on a jet and aerially uh, subject everyone below to it. Um, okay, so seven operations. Uh, and I've tweaked this list many times as I've discovered more and more. So here's my tweaked list. Uh, weather engineering, number one. It, truthfully, without the weather engineering, which produces uh, electric systems and uh, ex expands them or contracts them, high pressure, low pressure, whatever is needed, uh, these, uh, this weather system produces energy in the long run to keep the sky ionized. Um, so weather engineering is number one operation. Second operation, planetary geophysical. Uh, this would include the ionospheric manipulation for charging, building, and steering storm systems, uh, utilize, utilizing droughts, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes for environmental modification and disaster capitalism profits. Uh, another uh, part of it is earth harvesting for REITs, uh, real estate investment trusts, yes, Real estate deals, believe it or not. What? Uh, and then uh, the uh, also under planetary is sun simulation and solar experiments. Now, you know, many people are commenting on seeing the hexagonal sun simulators in the sky, and, and we are not the only nation that has that. So the next one, the third operation uh, would include electromagnetic operations, uh, ionization of the atmosphere. Plasma and antimatter farming. For those who don't know this use of the term plasma, it is a the fourth state of matter. It's sort of gas and fire all in one. Right. Uh, it has uh, many, many, many uh, uh, applications. Um, Man-made Birkeland currents, Alvin Whistler waves, rotating electrical fields or torsion fields, the Hutchison effect. Uh, and then the ever-famous holography, uh, or uh, Project Blue Beam, I think it's been called. Um, so that's the third electromagnetic operations. Then there are the directed energy warfare operations, and the military calls these C4, command, control, communications, and cyber warfare. Uh, under this, I would place scalar interferometry, uh, this includes the ionospheric heaters, the lasers and masers, particle beam weapons, high-powered uh, microwave weapons, etc. Um, it includes cloaking. Uh, many of the things going on in the sky, these jets are cloaked. You can't see them. Uh, and then uh, the most enigmatic one is the detection and obscuration of exotic propulsion systems. We are actually uh, seeing... Uh, various types of crafts hiding in uh, the uh, cloud cover that is produced completely electri uh, electrically and chemically. Uh, what I plasma clouds. We don't see moisture clouds anymore, or very rarely. What you see are very dry, 
uh, plasma clouds that simulate uh, the old cloud cover of what we used to call cirrus cloud cover. Um, okay, that's the fourth one. <laughs> and we're on to the fifth one. Okay. Uh, which is uh, surveillance and neural operations. And this includes artificial intelligence, remote, remote neural monitoring, RNM, which is basically very high-tech uh, mind control at a distance, uh, electromagnetic targeting of populations and in individuals with the directed energy weapons, uh, and then the 5G millimeter uh, waves uh, and the Internet of Things, which you named in your introduction very important. And I put that under surveillance and neural operations for good reason. And then the final sixth uh, is the biological transhumanism operations. Right. And, um, this is the uh, hive mind Morgellons delivery. Uh, Morgellons is very hive minded. And um, uh, then the nanoparticle delivery of sensors, microprocessors, and other electro-optical technology. Uh, remote genetic engineering of our DNA, uh, and then the replacement of nature with virtual reality, which is, of course, uh, Ray Kurzweil's uh, singularity dream. And that's that's really where it starts with chemtrails and ends up with all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, you know, like I've mentioned, chemtrails have uh, been around for a while, and a lot of a lot of great people doing a lot of great research on them. But it kind of sounds like uh, they have more of a holistic sort of involvement in everything going on, rather than uh, simply one of. Well, really pick any from the list. Right. And that's the key to doing disinformation and misleading the public in a so-called democratic society. You don't need the hammer and sickle, uh, black uh, vans pulling up in the middle of the night. All you need is electromagnetics and chemicals in order to uh, manipulate just about everything so uh, that has to do with society uh, biologicals, uh, everything. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, this discovery of this, uh, and, and this, this Manhattan project, uh, uh, status of, uh, of releasing aerial, uh, uh, dumps on populations that rarely look up and are now with their noses in their iPhones. It's like carrying around your own surveillance instrument and paying for it just as well. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this, this electromagnetic era will, uh, and, and that's what it is. Uh, I mean, I call it a space age. I call it an electromagnetic age. Uh, but it also is a chemical age, uh, this realization of what chemistry can do if you if you hit it with electromagnetics and then all you need to uh, worry about is the steering of it uh and uh you know to have uh functional rays so so they have the laser program creates waveguides uh sort of burrows through our atmosphere uh, in the air and creates a way for the radio waves or microwaves to go. Uh, and um, this, this technology has do been done entirely in the open. Entirely. I mean, you can't 
just do this in a lab. You've got to do it in the atmosphere. Right. And so the disinformation campaign, the propaganda campaign has been extensive for 20 years. We've had geoengineering for 20 years. But uh, or or more, we actually some some activists say fifty years, and that's true. They have wanted to control the weather for all this that I just mentioned to you. All of this can be done, but not without weather control. You just can't do it unless you have an ionized atmosphere and weather systems that can produce energy for all your wireless operations. Right. You notice these are all wireless. Yeah. And of course, who did we get the cell phone from? Well, from the military. Who did we get our computers from? The military. Who did we get our TVs from? The military. So uh, this is their technology, and it has always been dual use. And the fact that it is never mentioned in any context in talking about climate change, extreme weather, global warming, this is this just is so loud as as a uh, as something that I was initially amazed that people didn't notice it. Um, but there is an assiduous um, compulsion in Americans. Having lived in Europe, I can now do a bit of comparison. There's an there's a compulsion in Americans to avoid what doesn't feel good. And the military definitely doesn't feel good. And yet the military is what protects our way of life and all our lovely conveniences. The fact that American health has gone down the tubes in the last 20 to 30 years, uh, no one seems to be noticing that. You know, maybe some people, I mean, I'm a health nut. I've been a health nut since I was uh, 21. Because I knew, uh, I I studied Chinese medicine, something much wiser than Western allopathic, and I realized that uh, I was going to have to be in for the long haul, uh, whatever I did in this life, and that I would need my health. But most Americans uh, are still sort of waiting for authority figures to tell them what's true, what's not true, despite all the news. Uh, to the contrary, despite yeah, all yeah. the lying and and all the the discoveries of of uh, deceit and theft by political figures, it, it's just incredible. And so I've finally come to the conclusion that these cell phones are actually uh, fantastic devices because not only is the microphone always on whether you turn the cell phone on or off, uh, but it. it you can also pulse people. You can pulse their emotions to them. You can pulse their thoughts to them. Uh, these are these are handy dandy military weapons, and uh, the fact that you've sold it to people as a convenience item uh, uh, for safety uh, would be hilarious if it weren't so dark. Yeah, well, I'm and- guessing you don't have the new iPhone then. <laughs> You're guessing right. All I have is this ugly little uh, wired phone here that I use only uh, now and then. Oh, that is awesome. I, w- I would like to go back to those days. I remember those days. Um, you know, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on that you mentioned. Um, yes, also the baby has some thoughts. Uh, first off, the I often 
look up, okay? Because I'm always looking up, and I mean, I can take pictures every day and document every single day how weird everything looks in the skies above me. And I often wonder, like, there's got to be something up there right now. Like, I get inklings, you know, where it's like, I feel like there's something there. Like, it doesn't feel like it's just a cloud floating along. And it doesn't just feel like a normal chemtrail. It looks kind of weird. So when you said that, I was like, wow. I mean, that, 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 the possibility there, I mean, maybe I'm not crazy. <laughs> so thank you for that. No, you're not. And, and I can speak, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into the UFO, you know, from Alpha Centauri or anything, but I, I, I can definitely speak for um, hidden uh, crafts that uh others are seeing the the best person and you should have him on your show uh to speak to is sean gutro uh sean lives in new orleans and uh, he's a fantastic artist by the way but he uh he started a site uh a facebook site called uh what is in our skies and it actually might be a regular website as well i can't remember what is in our skies he does really good videos of uh of what's up there and uh he and others uh, i'm thinking of a couple guys in ireland they're seeing a lot over ireland um they they're seeing triangular shapes uh, they're seeing the production of plasma uh, the uh, disappearance of the plasma that uh, the clouds are. I mean, they're like I told you, they're not moisture clouds. Um, they're, they're seeing more because they're really studying, and they may live over a geomagnetic magnetic area that is particularly rich. Um, Sean and I have discussed that possibility of New Orleans, and and it seems to be uh, it, it seems to hold water. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, so um, yes, there are crafts, but uh, the U.S. government uh, has been doing anti gravity tech since the fifties, right. since we brought over the paperclip Nazis. And all their research, so that's that's a given, uh, and that we're keeping, you know, that they keep it secret, uh, totally makes sense. Um, But but they, I I think you will see that this cloud cover has a variety of purposes, and and it isn't just albedo uh, to deflect the rays of the sun. To deflect the sun, uh, there could be an agenda there. Uh, I completely admit it, uh, in which uh, the sun is really our lifeblood. And, uh, of course, they're blaming the solar minimum and uh, all sorts of, you know, no uh, no CMEs and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of that is disinformation and spin to cover over the fact that possibly someone wants us to uh, evolve in a different direction and not be sun beings anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm willing now that I have discovered, uh, such nefarious, uh, things going on in a, a Manhattan project too, uh, then, uh, I have to be able to consider even more outrageous things because we have entered a space age and we haven't been told, and it is not the kind that president Kennedy naively looked forward to this is a militarized space age uh, i believe there are uh, possible space wars or at least exercises going on in near earth orbit um i uh, i believe that the atmosphere now 
that it's been ionized thanks to the ionosphere uh, that that the um, atmosphere is being used for a variety of tests. That's sort of the list I read to you: uh, farming plasma, farming uh, antimatter, creating their own Birkeland currents out of the poles. There's a lot going on at the Arctic and Antarctic that you will never hear about. Um, the uh, creation of Alvin waves. Uh, <clears throat> so so uh, th- they are happy campers at NASA and uh, all of the, you know, the JPL, uh, Caltech, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which used to be in charge of all the chemical trails on, in North America. Um, they, they, they're doing a lot. And, right. and my resentment is that it's all under that terrible National Security Act of 1947. Everything's in closed session. We're told nothing. Uh, fat cats in big pharma and the medical industry are thrilled that we're all uh, dying slowly because it won't give them as much money if we die quickly. Right. They want a slow death. So, uh, so this is, I'm trying to prepare the public who have babies like yours for the future they have in mind for us. A lot of it makes sense because you look around and you know the the thought of becoming you know non sun creatures genetically altering us to do so, and then you look at the propaganda all around us. What's being glorified? Werewolves, vampires. Uh, it's all part of the conditioning process to accept that sort of behavior and and sort of fate, if you will. Um, but you know, as far as the crafts and stuff, you know, uh, I, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, Ben Rich, he's come out and the quotes that he has stated are pretty out there and. They're they're pretty interesting in light of all these things, so I have no doubt that they have crafts and, and things going on. And I think a lot of it has to do with mental sort of mind control type of stuff. And and when I say mind control, not just you know being controlled mindlessly by some nefarious uh, organization, which is obviously happening, but I'm talking also about perhaps some sort of what seems to be sort of an inter spiritual, interdimensional sort of technology that that connects the mind to physical matter and, and you know all that kind of stuff and, and one sort of proof to all this that the cell phones and all the Wi-Fi and the 5g that's going to be creating this uh, frequency web around us the the thing that I think people are going to start experiencing more and more are strange lapses of uh, you know dreams and also uh, uh, perhaps deja vu type stuff and I say this because I have a friend uh, who recently uh, noticed or saw saw a, a lecture or something about 5G, and uh, I believe it might have been a BP Earthwatch video talking about the radiation levels coming off of some of these 5G devices and some of the pods that are supposed to be uh, crawling all over the place to you know because I guess 5G doesn't have the wide spectrum uh, as some of the I'm sorry the uh, lower frequencies. Oh, no, it's very high so, frequency, and it's yeah. millimeter waves. That's what you're talking about. Right, this right. This is a, the tiny, tiny wave, the tiniest. And by the way, 5G is not just one up from 4G. That is ingenuous. It is a very, very different freak, uh, technology. Uh, 4G was still low frequency, really, centimeters. Uh, millimeter is high frequency. And, uh, oh, yes, this, this will alter our DNA. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so what I was saying with the, my friend's story, so he was watching that video and then he decided, you know what, I'm going to put my cell phone, you know, just across the room when I sleep. Cause he realized he hadn't dreamt, like he hasn't had a dream or remembered a dream in years. He said, 
uh, I think he said years. So he said, okay, I'm going to, uh, or at least several months. So I, he put his phone across the room and then for the next two or three nights, vivid, vivid dreams. So, uh, you know, I think there's something to it for sure. And then also there was another uh, video that was made by uh, Truth Stream Media, I believe, uh, Aaron and Melissa Dykes. And Melissa reported a story about just her experience with dreams and how her and her family kept waking up and they all shared similar dream experiences. So can you speak to that, how that might, how this stuff might be affecting us more in that sort of mind spirit realm? Well, yes, uh, uh, that's, that's a huge subject. And I do not go into that in the space fence book because it's so important to anchor people in the facts of how the system works in order to then go into uh, the the what you're talking about this the, the space between because this is going on right now and I would have added uh, not just the dreams but time itself is uh, being altered um, in some cases uh, because it is after all only the fourth dimension it's it's not and you know you can alter time uh, so. Uh, when the dream, when Melissa and Aaron uh, talked about the dream thing, and yes, I saw that, uh, I believe that they were being targeted uh, by, oh, people who know what they do. They do very good work. And um, their dreams, I, I know three people I can think of off the top of my head, targeted individuals whose dreams are being altered who now are uh, studying the difference between their dreams and uh, the dreams being engineered in them in through their sleep. This can all be done remotely. Um, and, and they too have discovered that the electromagnetics in the area, and this is the point of the Internet of Things, we're going to have to start making connections uh, because they have taught us all these things. They're all, it's all in the, quote, free press you know, that these things exist. But, but what is withheld is the context by which these things are used, dual use by the military intelligence complex. So um, when, you, when you put the cell phone away from your head, that's a very wise thing to do. Wiser still would be to put your cell phone in your car away from your house where you have 60 hertz in the walls because all that internet of things, and that includes the 60 hertz, that includes the phone, that includes the refrigerator, that includes the dishwasher, etc., uh, and not to mention the smart meter outside or the smart meter at your neighbor's. Um, you, and then turn your router off every night. Absolutely turn it off. And if you have small children, you really must do all of these things because their brain tissue is much softer than ours. Uh, then at that time, you may have... Uh, fantastic dreams and you are right without our dreams this is again cutting off the sun cutting off the stars cutting off our divine origins our relationship with the cosmos however you want to tell it whatever your theology or your metaphysics is the physics of it you must study and know because those at the top of this food chain 
that you know goes by the name of NASA, EPA, uh, and the new one, which I, I want to alert people to. We have something way more powerful than the National Security Agency, the NSA. It's called the NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Um, at the very top of this food chain are people who know occult things, who know esoteric things. We got a hint of that, a sniff of that with the uh, recent uh, Pizzagate, um, uh, what was the name of that banquet? Spirit they invited cooking. People. Spirit cooking. Yeah. We got a whiff of it. And now it's going away again. This always happens. It's always going away, coming back, covered up. A few people go go down for it. Then it's covered up. Away it goes away. But this, those at the top of the the agency food chain of the space program, they know what they're doing, and they're experimenting with our spiritual identity with what it takes to control it. They would be as gods on the earth. Make no mistake. I know it sounds silly to us, but not to them. They would like to own the slave race and then uh, develop themselves to superhuman capability or at least long lives by stealing the life force of children and uh, young adults uh, so that they can go on. These are very dark people, and this time is actually quite a dark time at the same time that we who are nobodies have probably more freedom right now, up to now, than the nobodies of tomorrow will have. And so that's why we need to learn, as I say in every talk I give, and I always get <laughs> kind of tears behind my eyes, this is our watch, and we must change our lifestyles to see what is going on so we can protect the generations coming after us. This is not just another issue. This is the issue. And we must, you know, most Americans, they don't have science beyond high school. We have got to study the technology of our era so that we can prepare ourselves and our children and our grandchildren and do our job of being the watchman over the gates of human civilization. Yeah, absolutely. Have to agree here's, with that. Here's a question. Now, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, abstinence from some of the uh, things like cell phones and technology that's presented to us as, you know, convenient gadgets to make life easier and better. Um, besides, you know, the, uh, the abstaining from certain technologies or even geographical locations that are more, you know, susceptible to being uh, experimented on, uh, whether it be things in the sky or the water supply or whatever it is. Uh, do you know anybody who's working on, you know, solutions, whether it be technological uh, solutions to combat some of these effects or, um, you know, because uh, we we understand on this podcast that, you know, we're we're doing part of 
I, what I think we're called to do, which is make these things uh, readily available and the information to get out there. So, uh, you know, people who aren't necessarily uh, making their lives all about researching this can, uh, you know, become educated and keep an eye out for certain things. But uh, do you know of anybody who's uh, working on maybe some technological uh, ways to start combating this uh, sinister uh, plan going on? Oh, yes. I know lots of people. I mean, that's really how most of Facebook, uh, you know, I, and by the way, Facebook, I, there's nothing good I can say about it except one thing. And it's a, an irony that it's a, it was spawned by intelligence agencies, and yet it is the only town square we have. Uh, it is where you can talk to regular people in short bites and uh, share information. A lot of people use it for puppies and kitties and doggies and babies and things, but, but the people that I'm in touch with uh, for my closed sites, I have two, um, are, are really on this. And they are experimenting with uh, taking baths uh, to get the um, the nano um, heavy metals out. Uh, a certain using Epsom salts, borax, and sea salt. Um, who comes to mind and is very good and has given lots of uh, ideas because it, he is on a journey of controlling his own Morgellons is Tony Pantalaresco in uh, Ontario, Canada. He has many ideas using magnets. Um, I mean, for self-protection, we're just talking self-protection now. Uh, for uh, going beyond that uh, of self-protection uh, and to regenerate one's system, you would have to look in the past to the giant's uh, Royal Rife, for example. Who knows, who knows about Royal Rife? I didn't know that much until I saw a film about him a few weeks ago, uh, and he um, he is he was a, a giant. He was on the on the scale of Tesla, uh, uh, and uh, and and um, another one you probably don't know the name of uh, Keeley, John Worrell Keeley, back in the late nineteenth century, same same period as Tesla. Um, oh yeah, his I, research. I, I, I looked at I looked at Keeley. But yeah, yes. I don't know about the other one that you mentioned. The first his, one. Uh, his both all of their research was stolen. I mean, Rife, he did two things. One, uh, he uh, developed a microscope that, by the way, could never be redeveloped by anyone else that could actually catch the activity of uh, of various pathogens on on a nanoscale. I mean, and this is you're talking early 20th century. He did this. Uh, and then the other thing he did is he developed a ray uh, that could immediately zap cancer cells, and they were dead. And that's what sealed his his death warrant was that already cancer was had been targeted as to be developed at Fort Detrick, Maryland, uh, as a disease uh, worthy of chemical biological warfare. And uh, and when when Rife was able to zap these cells with the frequency of their death, by the way, that's how he did it. He determined the frequency of death 
by t- from their frequency in life. Uh, then, then he was a dead man. Uh, so the to study these old ones. Oh, then the other one, Wilhelm Reich, of course, he too was killed. His research also was stolen uh, because he developed a technology that could take the ether, the life force of the Earth, and uh, and and zap electromagnetic entities or clouds or whatever what he called door uh the dark clouds from radiation at that time in the 50s after we had blasted you know how many above ground and below ground uh, uh bombs here in the united states western part of the united states so uh so all of these uh technologies are being restudied by people who who have to get through the pill idea that americans have oh gee if i only take this i'll be fine if i only do this no 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 this is all about knowledge knowledge is power scientia est potentia i mean i heard you indicate gee how can we make it easier for people who don't want to do all this work for knowledge well i'm not going to make it easier for anyone you have to pursue knowledge you have to read again you have to study you have to think you have to talk to people who are smart and not not hope it goes away, or if you can just get the right pill, or hear, hear the right person talk, or whatever. That that's that's all passe. We've become weak in America with our conveniences and our comforts. We have this idea that you know we can get off easy. We're not going to get off easy on this one. So we need to dig in, and uh, and that's what I'm all about. Is uh, I believe uh, in uh, people being able to do that. And I don't see that uh, I should apologize for that at all. You sure don't got to apologize to me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Not you. (laughs) Your listeners out there, they're hoping I'm going to tell them the pill, the thing that will save them. No, uh, the only thing that will save us is looking at some of the old low-tech technologies. I have a cloud buster outside my window where I sleep so that I, I have ether which uh, I have a chapter on ether in my book uh, coming out this month in case people don't understand that ether was a scientific accepted uh, term until uh, all the way through Einstein in the twenties when he was told by someone very powerful not to use it anymore. I mean, ether is real. This is not some fantasy that Reich had. It's real. And it is the antithesis of electromagnetism. Interesting. You know, uh, Ether has come up uh, in uh, just different research and conversation, especially, you know, looking into, uh, I think I first was introduced to the concept when I was looking into some Tesla stuff a few years ago. Um, But uh, for those listeners who aren't quite familiar with Ether, just because you seem to think it's very important, why don't you uh, give us a little rundown? Well, ether is that which you mentioned earlier about the spiritual. Let's just look at it that way. Um, We have an electromagnetic world now, and uh, you can see that it's kind of like in the 19th century into the early 20th century, electricity was just the cat's meow, as they used to say. It was like, wow, this is so great, electricity. And, you know, when Tesla lit himself up with, uh, I can't remember, a million volts or whatever, uh, and still lived, you know, these were these were phenomenal. 
uh, he he discovered that the uh, Earth is electromagnetic. That he posited that all the planets are electromagnetic. Therefore. Uh, the entire solar system and possibly the entire galaxy is electromagnetic. And this is nothing more than electric universe theory uh, that I'm probably doing very poorly. Uh, I love the electric universe scientists. Uh, they're also known as the Thunderbolts Project. And uh, this would be, if I were going to st study science, I wouldn't go back to college. They're not going to teach you anything that's worthwhile. I would uh, study the Electric Universe and Thunderbolts Project scientists to listen to what they have to say. And they say it in English you can understand. So uh, this, this idea that it's um, an electromagnetic universe, yes, that's true. But there's something else going on. And uh, Reich was the one who called the attention of the uh, the military could not help but notice him. Reich met with Einstein and loaned him one of his machines that produce ether, that pull ether right out of the air. This is the real free energy, is ether. Uh, and, uh, and Einstein never returned it because it was uh, taken by national security, military, because Einstein always worked for them. You know, you can't work at Princeton and be on your own. Uh, and and yet Reich uh, was then arrested uh, by through a Food and Drug Administration um, uh, Act uh, way of uh, getting him out of operation, and uh, eventually died in federal federal prison a day before he was to be released. Uh, his research was taken because he also saw that there were entities in the atmosphere. And those entities are actually plasma, and uh, and so with ether, which he would he would sort of make these fantastic cloudbusters with long uh, quartz or crystal, uh, with copper pipes, uh, dig it into the earth just a foot or so, and then uh, target various things in the sky, and they would disintegrate and what was happening was it was ether that was was undoing the electromagnetic uh composite in the sky and the plasma uh if indeed they were entities composed of plasma which uh is really what reich maintained right just the thing that was confusing and i don't know if he realized it is by naming these things something different such as orgone instead of ether, uh, he confused the issue for uh, simple-minded like me. I mean, I, I I had to translate orgone into ether before I could understand it because I had studied ether under uh, all my studies of Rudolf Steiner. I mean, I'm a, I'm very much a student of Rudolf Steiner's uh, ideas, cosmology, metaphysics, blah blah blah, uh, and I was a Waldorf teacher for many years. Uh, so. I understood as soon as I realized, okay, ether, yes. Um, and what happens outside my window to protect my dreams is uh, I buried this uh, unit of just uh, crystals. Uh, it's really sort of uh, 
what is that resin? Yes, resin. Uh, it's a big sort of uh, five gallon bucket thing of resin in which are uh, suspended uh, many little uh, pieces of metal, uh, copper, uh, silver, uh, iron, whatever, and, uh, and ground up crystals. Uh, and then crystals are in um, six holes that go down into the resin. And you, you put the crystals in. And then on top of that, you put these copper pipes, six of them. And you make sure they're vertical and everything's vertical. And so what happens is, and I've seen it operate because I have a friend here in town who makes these. And uh, one day he showed me his, which is a much more fantastic cloud buster that is at a 45 degree angle. And um, he was able to, uh, oh, there was a huge chemtrail uh, assault overhead and he was able to point it at uh, the, that and uh, he made a very clear, distinct, round circle in that cloud cover. It was absolutely mm. blue above. I think we've and seen that, those before. Like that means that he was sky, able. Yeah. yeah, he was able to go through several layers because you know the layer we're, that I'm looking at now here in the Pacific Northwest. That's only one layer. There, and I've been in jets where I've been able to count. Oh, seven, eight, nine layers above the one that the people on earth are looking at. So, um, so this is powerful, this ether, this is not a fantasy. And, and why would it be a fantasy? We're living in an era where we're going to have to learn to think in terms of invisibles. We have to, you can't see right. electromagnetism. You flick a light switch in a room and boom, there's light and you can go, Oh, well, it's cause there's wires. And yeah, but what is that in the wire? What is that? It's invisible right. and you're capturing it. Uh, with anodes and, and, and diodes, so um, so um, I don't see that I need to uh, go on and on and on about that. But I think the point that you caught that's so important is ether is the uh, exact opposite of electromagnetism. Rudolf Steiner is very clear: ether is life throughout the universe, and today they call it dark matter. But ether is throughout the universe, and electromagnetism is death in the end. Now, I need my computer to write my books, but my computer is basically death. I, I know that. Around it, I have all sorts of holy hand grenades, um, from the Reich stuff, just little cupcake-sized resin things with uh, crystals and uh, various metals captured in it to break the field. That's all I can do. I just can break the field. And I wear a diode uh, and the same thing because I live in a, a, a wireless Wi-Fi town. Every shop I go into is loaded with Wi-Fi and routers and all that. So I'm walking in a field of uh, invisible rays. So I wear a diode uh, that will, um, will just break the field and protect the front of my body where my soft tissue organs are. And this is the mindset I carry. Is it, is it just a placebo? No, this one from this particular company is, is real. I have mm -hmm. tested it for many years. Uh, and I have bought these for all my adult children and their children. So, um, so th these are the kinds of things that all have to do with ameliorating 
the technology. But, you know, if your question had been, oh, Ilana, what can we do to stop this? Well, I can't think of a thing. I think it's going to have to end in a disaster somehow. I, I don't know how else to do this because when I was trying to wake people up for the last 50 years to the military in America, nobody wanted to think about it. And nothing really happened. They just got us involved with this and this and this. And, and you know, and white liberals are so happy to have some good thing to do. And they don't put the whole picture together. And they're not interested in contextualizing even what they're doing. So um, we are where we are because we deserve to be where we are. We didn't yeah. pay attention when the Trojan horse was being wheeled through the gates. Sure. And the first Trojan horse was Operation Paperclip. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. You know, you were mentioning uh, when you were talking about ether and the electromagnetism, you had mentioned the word entities. Now, are these like intelligent entities or are you talking about like a, like a phenomenon within the, uh, the physical mediums? Well, I think, I think it, they are intelligent, uh, but I think they are not moral. Okay, so, so when Reich was doing his research, he had a follower uh, named uh, J. Um, wait, let's see, what is Trevor Constable? J James Trevor Constable, or Trevor James Constable. I always get confused. But Trevor and I, before he died, used to um, email because I had read his book, uh, The Cosmic Pulse of Life, in which he has many photographs uh, that he took with infrared film out uh, on the dry desert of uh, Arizona or Nevada. And um, Trevor, Trevor, I think, was right. His idea was to look at the atmosphere of the Earth like the, the ancient Vedas did, the ancient holy books of the Rishis. Uh, we're talking, oh, 10,000 years old, probably. Uh, they would call when they looked up at the stars and the sun and sky, they, they called it a sea, uh, a cosmic sea. They looked at the universe as a cosmic sea. And um, I think this is accurate from my own experience. I have had an experience of one of these entities. Uh, I think that the atmosphere now is very plasma rich because of the chemicals and the electromagnetics that are being used for a variety of operations in it. And um, it is very attractive now to entities that um, take on plasma bodies when they come into this realm. Now, think about it. The only reason you have a body is because um, you need a certain frequency to be able to you live in this world. If you didn't have that frequency uh, in that body, you might be something else. You might be, you know, a lizard, or you might be a bird. Um, we we have our own frequency signature, and uh, unfortunately, now the remote mind control people know this, and they have gathered all the frequencies of our bodies, our organs, our emotions, our thoughts. Everything. They have it. Just accept that. I, I've done the research uh, into the patents and papers. They have it. Uh, so 
so it's it's not much of a reach to think that say there's an entity which is um living in the universe but it doesn't have a body that we would recognize it has a frequency of a different sort but it is conscious maybe not conscious like we are but it is conscious and so it enters the earth's atmosphere to take a look or you know it's drawn to it it sees plasma maybe it eats plasma i don't know maybe it derives energy from plasma because we have a lot of plasma in the sky now a lot more than we did in the 50s um and uh and so it takes on in order to be in this world even to travel through it it has to change its frequency and it it is able to do that whereas we human beings we're not quite able to do that unless one of our subtle bodies is out of our physical body now the subtle bodies have different frequencies again and those frequencies are comfortable in other dimensions you know quantum physics posits the parallel dimensions yes our subtle bodies are have different frequency from our physical body and so when it's not in the physical body our subtle body is able to be in other universes other worlds other dimensions just like the entities that are coming into ours can put on a plasma body and that's what people are seeing like Sean Gautreau in my opinion in the skies and what Trevor took pictures of he took pictures of them and they're very he, the ones he took pictures of are pretty primitive and um so i think that i look at the sky now not at all like i used to i look at it as a sea in which many entities live who are embodied in, with different frequencies uh and i simply if you ever look at an electromagnetic spectrum and see what our visual uh, uh, our visual spectrum is, it's tiny. It's tiny, and we can't see gamma rays, and we can't see radio waves. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a, a whole spectrum. world, a yes, whole world of the electromagnetic spectrum that we can't and so, see. So that's the other invisible part that uh, we may have to deal with. But I mean, it's very important to understand that most UFO stuff is absolute disinformation uh and um yeah and I, I, don't, <laughs> I think our listeners would uh, definitely agree with you there yes and, and it's done purposely because again knowledge is power so to control this kind of knowledge and keep it out of our university programs and out of our textbooks and you know subtle bodies excuse me ether excuse me uh, is a way to retain the power, and then you can use it for your own uh, your own purposes. Well, that's very interesting, and I think um, yeah, I think we would all agree that there is a a separate uh, reality from this physical reality we have here on Earth that uh, that really is where all the the good stuff is going down, and tapping well, into that just, is a, is uh, is where it's at. Not just one reality. Uh huh. Try millions. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So now going back to uh, the book you have coming out, uh, because we are coming up on uh, coming up on an hour and a half here. I want to make sure that we get the uh, chance to get all the information about the book you have coming out. Um, uh, is that the Under an Ionized Sky from Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown? 
Um, yes. When's that going to be available for people? Well, um, uh, if you go to the Amazon site, I think Feral House put up that it would be out in the middle of February, February but I, I believe it's going to be sooner uh, because I'm having 100 of them shipped down to California where I have to give talks in the first couple of weeks of February. And they'd better be there. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, but I have not seen one yet. And yet I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Um, I actually finished it a year ago last October. Uh, but uh, because of delays that Feral House had to uh, go through, it, um, it came out later than I had wanted. But it's all right because uh, I, I was able to bring the manuscript up to date uh, you can imagine when you're dealing with national security technology and uh, the things change day by day uh, as to what people are allowed to know and not know. For example, the geoengineering uh, was just recently, <coughs> last January, they started normalizing uh, the geoengineering a year ago, January. Uh, and uh, and that was after Trump became president. So uh, so so it it is going to be out ASAP, and uh, it is again a, a a thorough as thorough as I could make it uh, overview of the technology I've been discussing today. Uh, the most uh, outrageous chapters uh, probably will be considered the chapter on the ether. It's on ether, plasma, and scalar waves. And then the other chapter would be my chapter on CERN, which I entitled The Temple of CERN. Um, so, uh, so those are a couple of goodies. But the chapter on nanotechnology is extremely important because of, of all the things going on. The nanotechnology may, may be the actual worst. Wow. Well, that just sounds fascinating. I can't wait uh, for people to start uh, reading it and learning about all the, the crazy things that you have in there. And I mean crazy in the most, uh, the most uh, loving sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Alana, for coming on the show. This has really been a pleasure. And uh, we look forward to more work coming out from you. Absolutely. Thanks you for have, having me. You're so yeah. welcome. Do you have... Uh, a website or a Facebook page people can reach out to find you? Well, I have the Facebook pages, uh, Ilana Freeland, Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum. That's a closed group. You have to ask for uh, membership. And then I have a site uh, about my, my fictional history series, uh, Ilana Freeland, Sub Rosa America, also a closed site. And then I have a, a blog site, a website that um, a very kind person has been helping me develop, and it's still under construction, but pretty pretty much done. And that's ilanafreeland.com. And that's all lowercase. Okay, sounds wonderful. Everybody, if you want to learn more, go make sure to go check that out. And once again, Alana, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks, Alana.
All right, everybody, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. Make sure to check out some of those resources and uh, see what she's got going on over there. I think there's a lot of uh, very compelling pieces of research to send you down some rabbit holes. It's kind of what we're here for, to send you down all the rabbit holes you can possibly uh, spend all of your internet time using. So, so go do that. Uh, what do you think? It's a better use of your internet time than other things that are available to do on the internet. You know what's the best way to spend your time on the internet? Yeah, videos. Leaving reviews and ratings on iTunes and Stitcher for this show, Canary Cry Radio. If you liked what you heard here and you want to tell people about it and help the show out, it actually supports us. The, the iTunes robots push us out. And uh, show us to more people when you go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you are listening to this and leave a rating and a review. We would very much appreciate it. And do not forget, facebook.com slash community. It's the place to be. Don't miss out. And uh, just to plug it again, the Red Bubble and Canary Cry News Talk popping off. Go get it. And uh, okay, I think we can get out of here. Gons, what do you think? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next week. But until then, think outside the cage. (laughs) 